Last uh, time on Entertain This. That <laughs> oh, what happened last time? <laughs> we don't know. Just ripped out my life. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with Aiden, Tom, and me, Mitch. Hi, Mitch. Hi. Anyways, um, <laughs> so we'll just kind of jump right into it because we're going to be squeezed for time. Mm-hmm. Squeezed. <laughs> um, I got punished, unfortunately. Everything was right with the world. Mm-hmm. With uh, this awesome heist tale of... Trapped in Paradise, featuring Nicolas Cage. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was pow. <laughs> Ow. It Who was else was in this? Dana Carvey and uh, what was the other guy? John Lovitz. John, yeah. Ugh. What a team of actors. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was so bad, even, like, I researched, they said that the actors hated making this movie. <laughs> <laughs> then why'd they do it? They evidently, the yeah, they, they needed the money. But, but essentially, these... You got three brothers. I think they're brothers. That's what they make it out to be. Mm-hmm. Well, Nicolas Cage is like this, you know, small town. What's the name of the movie, Mitch? That's a Trapped in Paradise. Okay. Just verifying. <laughs> Just checking. Anyways, the, <laughs> Nicolas Cage is like this small town businessman or small time businessman, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. Um, his two brothers are locked up in jail. They get out on, I guess, good behavior or whatever and mm-hmm. immediately go right back to a. Being nefarious, <laughs> Dana Carvey. Dana Car- uh, Dana, Dana Carvey is a kleptomaniac, so he like stops at a store. They go in, and he uh, Nicholas Cage is sitting in the car, and he looks, and like Dana Carvey's over there pulling money out of the out of the register already, <laughs> like on the way home from prison. <laughs> it's like <sighs> then like there, a whole thing ensues where I guess uh, with John Lovitz, I forgot their actual characters' names in the movie because it's that entertaining, mm. but uh. They uh already have he already has like this master plan essentially and he's just leading Nicolas Cage on this whole time, mm-hmm. but he's gonna rob this bank that somebody's I guess sister works at and they he overheard these you know mafia kind of guys in prison talking about that it would be an easy place to rob so immediately when he gets out he's like oh let's go rob this place mm-hmm. before it they can be easy those mafia guys said so <laughs> yeah well the whole thing they they go to Whatever something paradise, I don't know if it's like. I Wyoming. thought it was just called paradise. Yeah, it's like in, it's like in Wyoming or Idaho. I don't yeah. know somewhere out that way. And there's a lot of snow. <laughs> yeah, a lot of snow in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, like the whole thing is a convenient plot device. Mm-hmm. Like they they walk into the store or they no they drive into the town and first thing they do is knock the uh, special needs officer off of his horse. Yes. Special needs. The special needs officer. Yeah, remember the uh, the sheriff has. He says his, his son's a little slow because oh, he gets the, knocked off the horse. The guy with the eyes. Yeah, okay. he's technically a deputy of like the, the town. <laughs> he gets knocked up. off his horse by the vehicle that they're driving. Ugh, wow. <laughs> so then they get up and then they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he didn't mean to. Yeah, you know." And they just let him go. They walk into the bank and they're just kind of looking around for the one they're supposed to be robbing. While they're in there, they're like, "Oh, just kind of looking around." Conveniently, the uh, the security cameras aren't plugged in. Mm-hmm. 
the guard is asleep at the door. And, like, he tries to wake him up. He's, like, snapping in front of his face, and he's just sleeping. <laughs> they walk in, they're, like, they look in the vault, like, because they have the door open, so they just kind of peer in. They're, like, there's no money in there. And as they get ready to walk out, this uh, armored truck comes in. Here's your $275,000 in cash. <laughs> Announcing it. Yeah. I have the money. <laughs> So, like, they do all this. They, they talk to a couple people in the store, and then they leave. They come back, like, I guess that night, and they they break – or no, no, they came back the next day because mm-hmm. there's a bunch of people working in the bank, and they're, like, the worst bank robbers ever. They come in and threaten to shoot. And, and like, Nicholas Cage is following this old lady around the counter, like, at gunpoint, like, mm-hmm. hey, come here. You know, you know I, I, I need to know how to get into the vault. And she's like, oh, well, that's my husband. He's across the street eating lunch. So they're like, okay. We will wait. <laughs> well, she goes, he asked, you know, how long till she gets back? 45 minutes. Let's go get him. <laughs> so they go over to the diner. All three of them. No, t- two of them. One's staying in the car, one's in the bank, and then Nicholas Cage goes over with the lady to the diner. Okay. And then they're sitting in there, and he's, like, trying to get over to their table, and it's so packed he can't. So he just holds up the gun, like, all right, where's, you know, what a such and such name? <laughs> he stands up, that's me. He's like, all right, you, come with me. And he th- starts thinking, he goes, as soon as I leave, all these people are going to call the police. Everybody, up to the bank. <laughs> so, so he takes everybody from the diner and puts them in the bank. And then they, they steal the money or whatever. They get ready to go out to the, the car. Well, their little uh, Dana Carvey, the little clip, though, he's like freaking out in the car. And somebody he, honks the horn at him right as the other two are coming out with the money. Mm. And he takes off and leaves them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So they're like running down the street. Well, they catch him, catch up to him like a block down the road. Like I don't know, somehow they turned or whatever. Well, then as they're driving, they're they're trying to get away. They crash in the snow later on that night. Was uh, a <laughs> yeah, Nicholas Cage like they they fall upside down mm-hmm. like on the mm-hmm. roof of the car out off this bridge. And Nicholas Cage gets out perfectly fine. He's, he's like, ow, ow, oh, ow. Trademark <laughs> overacting. Yeah, and animation. Yeah, he's fine. Well, <laughs> not a scratch on him. Yeah, not he was just, just mildly inconvenienced, just screaming out. And because this place is so nice, these random strangers stop and take them to their home, which happens to be the bank owner. Like, of course it is where, where he lives. Now, granted, when they were robbing stuff, they were wearing ski mask kind of things, mm-hmm. so they didn't they couldn't didn't know it was these people. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it just so happens the uh, the mafia guys break out of prison after hearing the news that this bank has been robbed. And so they, they come, kidnap their uh, the three, uh, Nicholas Cage and the three of them's mom, bring them, bring her to Paradise, whatever falls or whatever it is. Yeah. And they have, like, threatening Nicholas Cage, th- threatening all of them, you know, like, if you don't give us this money, <clears throat> you're, you know, your mom's going to get it. And they're like, okay. <laughs> so they, they end up, like, on a, a sleigh ride trying to get away. Yeah, it's they, so dumb. They, they eventually steal a sleigh. And, and what? For people listening, this is apparently a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah we didn't know that until... I did not infer that whatsoever watching the trailer. Yeah. Watching the trailer, I was like, this looks like a really bad 90s movie. It was. Yeah, it I was. mean, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. It was basically The Grinch Stole Christmas for adults, but... Yeah. Not adults you'd want to associate with. The end of the movie essentially was they learned their lesson. They gave the money back. The bad mafia guys got caught and sent back to... Prison. And the town forgave them. The oh, <laughs> so mafia dudes break out of a prison to go get the money that these guys took, and they made out with like what three hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, at and, best. Yeah, yeah. And then they get caught, and the town forgives them because they they showed the 
the effort to give the money back. They and learned the true their lesson. meaning of Christmas. Mm-hmm. It was the heart of the cards. It was it was kind of annoying because like Nicolas Cage is trying to you know be conniving and you know mischievous and take all of his stuff, and everywhere people are like buying stuff for him. Because they're so nice. Yeah. And, he, and he's just like, oh, everybody's so nice here. Oh. And then he like decides that he's just guilt ridden in. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> he sounds dumb. <laughs> it was pretty bad. I, I, there, there's one scene, like, none of this stuff makes sense. There's one scene where the police, like, trying to stop him, shoots all these gas cans into the room. Mm-hmm. And then they just run in. No no gas mask, nothing. They just run in perfectly fine. They with the tear bat. gas the house, yeah. and they just storm in immediately thereafter. Yeah, Cage and the mafia people are over there like, <coughs> and then they just, the police storm in like nothing's happening. Yeah. but uh, Reach for the sky, dirtbag. Yeah, it's a bad movie. But, like, fo- we'll focus on some of the, uh, like, director kind of things. They said that George Gallo basically just told the cast, do whatever you want. I, I sounded like it was Zen filmmaking. Yeah. Because oh. <laughs> Cage and them said that we got in there and he was just like, act it out. And we're like, we don't have a script. He's like, figure it out. It's like, okay. <laughs> what is Zen fam- filmmaking? Which is like, what's I have, I, I, I had an idea. <laughs> I have a camera recorder. I'm going to get all these actors together. I'm going to loosely explain it and I'm going to be incredibly vague and yeah. I'm going to film them doing what I thought they should do. Yeah, that's a, that's essentially how Tango and Cash got made. Yeah, we saw that too. So, but Tango and Cash was a f- good movie. Nah, yeah, it's a fun movie. Nah, oh come on. And in, in this entire movie, it's snowing, but it's not really snowing. This says they use seventy five thousand pounds of potato snow. Ugh, potato <laughs> snow. Yeah, yeah, that's what they use. Well, shavings. Perfect. Uh, they, I don't think you can use that in film anymore because um, it's terrible for the environment. It smells horrible. Yeah, mm. it's like just gunks up everything and you, you can't you gotta pick it up you can't just like let it dissolve you gotta clean it all up so yeah it, it, it was a bad movie <laughs> it was so dumb and like i said everything was you know a plot hole or a convenient you know oh will this happen oh just so happens you know mm-hmm. you you can go out this door and it'll take you right where you know danny carvey <laughs> is one of my favorite snl guys that ever lived but he's a terrible like movie actor I don't know yes. what it is. His track record is not good. I don't know what it is with the with like uh, he always plays like these over the top goofy people that doesn't change the entire time. He's basically like Mickey Mouse from Brooklyn in this movie. He just mutters the whole time. Yeah, with his high pitched squeaky voice. Starts talking to a horse at one point. He just <laughs> like, needs to stick to being on SNL. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing uh, we noticed is that this whole movie seems like it was ADR. Like mm-hmm. they did the. Did the sound and like the dialogue after they made the movie because like some of it didn't match up and a lot of it was like you couldn't even see, hardly see their face because it was a distance away so you mm-hmm. didn't know if their mouth was moving or not. Mm-hmm. Especially Dan Carvey's parts. He's yeah, like, he's like muttering to a horse and you're like watching him in the dark from two hundred mm-hmm. yards. Why is away. he talking to the horse? Because like, oh man, that's a nice horse you're over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. And, and like his mouth isn't moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's one point where like. They they make a kiss sound and they're still in the mid dialogue before they do the kiss. <laughs> so it's like, okay, <laughs> but yeah. So it, it gets a maybe a two out of ten. Wow, a two. Because it, it that's high praise. Like well, there was a plot. No, I'll take that back. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that back. I'll give it a three because a two was cats. I gave I gave cats a two, so I'll give it a three. Okay, because at least right. there was a plot right. that was. I guess it could be enjoyable but, if it was done better. But out of all the punishments you've got, this definitely like is one of the worst ones. Yeah, it was just dumb. There was no point to the whole movie. 
Yeah. Like, they, yeah. It was well, a good punishment. Like, they could have avoided the entire thing because they could have just given the money back. Like, there were several times they had the opportunity. They're like, no, we should give it back this way. It's like, just give it back if you're going to give it back. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you just drive up in front of the bank, throw the money out the window, and I go, right. here it is, and then go. Well, like, they, they break into the bank to return the money at one point. Yeah. And so they the, commit a second f- series of felonies. But they couldn't figure out how to open the vault, so they're like, no. We got to give the money back to the preacher. Yeah, so they, they just leave the. We got to go find a priest. No, Why? No, they don't even give it to the priest. They just leave it on the doorstep and ring the doorbell and run away. Yeah, I mean, just leave it in the in the bank and whatever. <laughs> they'll find it the next day. Yeah. But, so, anyways. Yeah. yeah. This movie sounded horrible. It was. It was bad. I'm glad I did not have to watch it. I watched like two thirds of it. So. So we'll, we'll move on to news and reviews. You're going to plug that their social media, Mitch. Oh, yeah. yeah I guess we plug could do it. that. Plug it. Entertainthispodcast.com. Mm Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> it will take you to anything you need to know. The Facebook, the Facebook page, the, uh, and well, I don't have the Instagram. Twitter, Instagram. I don't have Instagram connected because it wouldn't let me. But we've got the Twitter connected. We've got our YouTube page connected. Um, but we are on Instagram. Yes. Um, let's see, what else? I've got my Twitch connected because I'm still waiting on y'all to give me the URL for y'alls. <laughs> I don't even know how to spell Twitch. <laughs> but, what? um. <laughs> yeah, if you go to entertainthispodcast.com, you can, it has a, an embedded player where you can listen to all of our podcasts. All of them. All the way back to the first episode. Wow. The we dark have, days of entertainment. We, have so we a, are slightly worse than what we are today. <laughs> <laughs> we have a, a suggestions page. We have a reviews page. So we really encourage you to go and let us know more mm-hmm. about what you want mm-hmm. or how bad or how good you think we are. Yeah. This it, is a it, podcast it, that has gone steadily downhill. Just be gentle on Mitch, all right? It's kind of a roll. Yeah. He's an emotional man. <laughs> I like my things. Hey, somebody's calling you. Scam uh, from San Francisco. I don't know anybody <laughs> Scam who likely. Scam likely. No, Nancy Pelosi. All right, all right, all right. Focus. <laughs> all right. Anyways, that's our that's our uh, social, social media. media so okay, let's go with video games first. <laughs> let's do it. Games news. So you've all heard of the Microsoft Initiative, right? No, Hayden. No. What's the Microsoft Initiative? Microsoft Initiative is this game company formed by. You guessed it, Microsoft. I was going to say Sony. What a surprise. And it's the uh, first quadruple, quote-unquote, game-making company. Basically, Microsoft's uh, resolution to not having standalone content for Xbox is to throw a ton of money at it, and they did. They hired people from all over, uh, people who have been long loyal to Sony and uh, Nintendo and whatnot, Paid them tons of money to come work for the initiative to make the next uh, groundbreaking game. You know, the game that's going to set the standard for uh, this next generation of consoles. So, Mm -hmm. and then everybody quit. A lot of people quit. (laughs) Um, Uh Uh-oh. So, the reports are kind of hard to understand because everything... You know, it's whatever industry people work in, they, they try and keep all the drama under wraps because it's literally money that it translates into if, if there's too much drama. Um, but it has been confirmed by uh, the God of War 5 game coming out that a ton of people who were hired from the God of War 4 production to go work for the initiative uh, quit to go back to work on God of War 5. So in the middle of their production, which is a PlayStation only, yeah, yeah. So they pretty much defected. They defected <laughs> twice. They're a double defector, double defector, double agents. Um, and uh, you know, 
Microsoft has then also made a, a ton of announces, uh, an announcements that they're going to try and uh, make it so anybody who's under their umbrella for video game development, uh, they get to retain 88% of all profits the developers do, which is actually an insane amount. That's Most, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're, they're trying very hard to tr- uh, keep people. But, it, I mean, if all they're doing is just throwing money, at a project, I don't understand why people hate working for them so much. Like, you look at the history of Bungie, mm-hmm. and they're like, I don't know, desperate attempts to get away from Microsoft. It took them 10 years to do it, and mm-hmm. they made Destiny, you know, and... Um, Which wasn't good. Eh. It was to begin with. It, it, it was a thing. But, I mean, then a lot of people left Destiny to go work on the Halo games that are obviously still under Microsoft, so... I don't know. I think that the it's a the grass is not always greener kind of thing. I think that you know it doesn't matter if this is the most bleeding edge uh, game company that's out there. They're going to have the most money, mm-hmm. which they boast to have. It. Like I think they said something like, again, these are all rumors. But in order for it to be a triple A game development, it needs to be more than a couple hundred million dollars. So some people are suggesting that's a billion dollar uh, game uh, development company. And the rumor has it the game that they're developing is a Perfect Dark sequel. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah? So. I never played those games. I did. They're fun. Darker what, what, Perfect. What were they about? So, it's kind of like GoldenEye 64 was the original one. This was um, the, with the red-haired girl, right? Yeah, Joanna okay. Dark. They, it, I think it's in the same universe. It's just like 100 years. It's James future. Bond? Yeah. Because, like, you, she, you can pick up all the James Bond guns. You can go in, like, the library and take them and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and they talk about, like, I don't know. It's been so long since I played that. But I feel like it's in the same universe. Mm-hmm. Um, more of, like, an Easter egg kind of, like, acknowledgement. But anyways, Perfect Dark, whatever. Uh, future sci-fi guns. You play a girl who's, like, a James Bond running around shooting people and sneaking into buildings and stuff. And aliens. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> then there's a sequel that was not good, and uh, now they're talking about another sequel that's going to be a billion dollars good. We'll see what that's like. <laughs> if it happens. A billion dollars good. <laughs> a perfect billion. If it happens. I don't know. The uh, They've been, this secret, you know, the initiative is what it's literally called. This secret game company has been. Secretive. Well, for years now, and not much has been able to be shown for it, so. Interesting. There's my news. <coughs> my reviews is I watched. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> what effort. Because I, I don't have a PlayStation because the good people, uh, our listeners, don't want to pay me money to get a PlayStation. To review these things. I know. This is your fault. We do have a... Uh, <laughs> Found someone to blame. <laughs> we do have a, uh, a thing that you can donate money on. What's that called again? Patreon. Patreon. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. We have that. So donate... I mean, you can give it to us in person. <laughs> yeah, or that. Donate me like 600 bucks to so get a PlayStation. Actually... Just buy me a PlayStation because you can't find them anywhere. <laughs> yeah, if you manage to acquire one and wish to give it to us, we will take it. <laughs> All right, I, I, I'm done pandering. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so I watched a complete playthrough, and you know, it actually is a pretty fun game to watch a playthrough. I, I All have twelve a, hours. Yeah, it was um, for you know, it ate up like three of my days. So you know, um, boy, <laughs> yeah, lots of boy yelling. Uh, God of War um, four, more God of War. This came out like what two years ago? Yeah, 2018. Um, so it's the uh, it was one of the last games for PlayStation Four, which was where God of War Four. There's I'm trying to do some like rhyming stuff. It's not working. <laughs> um, 
but it was the, the one of the last games for that um, that console, and you know it's super high real graphics. They actually had a PS5 re-release with even better graphics. Yeah, it was real, a really pretty game to watch. It was. Mm-hmm. I have seen some gameplay of God of War Four and some cutscenes, and it looks really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they gave it. Uh, they kind of their press junkets were strange, so they gave it like a Hollywood press junket, and they had everybody. All uh, all the actors come in and like they would ask him stupid questions about their lives and not about the video games and <laughs> stuff like that. And they, you know, granted these are very talented people. It's got Christopher Judge, um, who plays Kratos. He's you'll recognize him from like uh, Stargate, the guy with the swirly thing on his head, the giant black man. And um, you know, it's got uh, Nolan North in it. He's a famous um, voice actor. Uh, yeah. I think he does uh, the Uncharted games and stuff like that. Jeremy Davies, uh, he plays the antagonist. Um, you'll recognize him as the uh, the typewriter corporal guy from Saving Private Ryan. Oh, that dude! Yeah. I hate that guy. Everybody hates that guy. I, I, he seems like a pretty cool guy. <laughs> just, just like in his he punked out on the damn staircase. <laughs> <laughs> We're never gonna let you. It was in, that. it was in the script. <laughs> sure it was. Sure it was. Liar. Uh, Troy Baker, he's another famous. Voice actor, blah. Anyways, um, they uh, so they but they interviewed him less about like what the process of motion capture was, which was actually very fascinating. They put the suit on the dots, and they'd have a um, a terminal where they'd follow them around, and they would just like it's not like you're recording camera live from this one angle. They're recording a universe that these actors are, you know, manipulating in with their motion capture suits that the computer is rendering inside that computer universe. Mm-hmm. And then the guy would just walk around and be like, I wonder what it would look like from this direction. Mm-hmm. And he'd just do that and walk around looking at, at the, uh, the terminal, like a window into that universe. And uh, it was pretty cool to see how they were interacting with stuff. They'd have to have all these, like, gizmos and stuff, like a boat. They'd have to have it built kind of half in reality and then put mm-hmm. things on it that they can manipulate it so it would be manipulated in the virtual world mm-hmm. in real time. Okay. Pretty cool. Um, I, I was amazed at how much, like, motion capture they used for it. Yeah. Yeah, they did a lot. Um, pretty much all the cutscenes. Pretty much, yeah, every cutscene. And um, there's a documentary. It's like a two-hour documentary on how they made it. Um, I didn't watch that. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched a lot of their press junkets and stuff like that. And it, Yeah. Again, it was just like BuzzFeed, you know. You know what is Kratos eating? On, and for breakfast and stuff like that. And dude's like, I don't know. People. Yeah. <laughs> Boy. Um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so God of War 4 takes place about uh, an undisclosed time after God of War 3, which the, obviously the first trilogy is Kratos being a Spartan who goes on a murderous rampage. Murderous God-killing <laughs> rampage of the Greek uh, gods and uh, inevitably kills them all. Um and now he's after for the, the Norse gods. Uh, no, he just wanted to live in peace. He did. He's just he's just some dude living in the woods. Uh, and I don't know how... Like, Norse mythology is fastly becoming, like, a new... Uh, everybody, like, grew up knowing about the Greek gods and stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. That's a very staple, and I, I would say in, like, America, mythos, you know, our conglomerate of everything. Norse mythology has never really been there, but I'd say it, it quickly is. And... Um, there's actually a really bo- good book uh, by Neil Gaiman called Norse Mythology, and uh, I highly recommend it. But anyways, um, 
So it, this does a good job of doing their own God of War take on Norse mythology. And it's a uh, pretty well, it's, it's a beautiful game. Uh, the, the thing that really strikes out to me the most is this, the scaling stuff. Like for instance, the snake, the world snake mm-hmm. that's uh, supposed to eat the, the planet at Ragnarok. I don't know if you guys know anything about Norse mythology, but when the world ends, there's a snake that's going to eat everything. Uh, that snake shows up for a moment in the game and it's, ginormous like you can see it coming at kratos to talk to him and it just keeps coming for like five minutes and it gets <laughs> bigger and bigger and bigger until it's like its eyeball is ba- like kratos could fit inside of its iris or yeah. it's a pupil yeah that's a big so, snake it's a big old snake <laughs> hot snakes um so like the way that they do that scaling it's very uh film cinematic and it's cool because you are in control of the camera at all times so to to do that um, but so the, the plot is Kratos, uh, buries his wife, well, burns his wife because she's dead. And I should probably preface that. <laughs> his wife died. So he burned her. <laughs> but anyways, uh, his son, Atreus is, uh, you know, he's trying to make him into a man. He's only like 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. So the, the wife's death's wishes was that she be, her ashes be scattered on the tallest mountain in, uh, Midgard or I guess the, the world, because Midgard is one part of the world. And so they go on a journey to do that, and all the uh, <coughs> shenanigans ensue. Uh, you don't see Thor. You don't see Odin. Uh, you do see Freya, uh, this guy named Balder, who is Odin's son, uh, and a couple other gods and famous people from Norse mythology. And uh, they do, they at least try to acknowledge the source material of the myths. Mm-hmm. Um but they they do, do take a lot of creative differences and, and stuff. Um, mainly what Kratos's role is this Greek guy that shows up and out of mm. nowhere. Um, and but it, it's it's actually pretty tasteful. I remember when this game was coming out, people were like, you know, how okay he's going after the uh, the Norse gods. What is he going to do next? You know the the Egyptian gods. <laughs> you know, and then you know they cuss to Kratos and he's like Egyptian <laughs> gods. <laughs> he starts his eyes starts switching. <laughs> But, boy, get the swords. <laughs> but uh, they actually do a pretty good job um, kind of explaining how there's there's a shared world between these universes and what happened to the Greek gods after they died and stuff like that. Well, that, um, and it, it's connected through coincidence later that, you know, that's why the, the other gods, the Norse gods, start in, involving themselves in his life. Yes. Because he killed all the Greek ones? Mm. No. Yeah. Can we look forward it's, it's, to Kratos fighting Thor in the new yes. God of War? Yeah, they, 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 they hype it up at the very end of the game. It's it's not really a spoiler because you know it's gonna happen, you know, one way or another. I just don't get it. like Kratos couldn't beat Thor. Well he beat Zeus. <laughs> yeah. I it, it's a, I, they're gods. I mean So is Kratos. Kratos yeah, is the god of war. Yeah. I thought he got take it got taken from him. It did, uh, and then he got it back. He's he's the dude lifts like mountains and yeah. stuff. At one point, uh, there's a giant statue of Thor, and it's like three times taller than the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 the hammer breaks off, and and Kratos like catches it and throws it like no problem. So like I, like I said, the scaling sense for this game is just astronomical. But you feel like a god yeah. playing it. Well, I felt like that guy was feeling like a god. Like because, <laughs> well, I watched that. Because I don't have a PlayStation, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, th- there's times he's fighting like these giant 
I don't know, they look like giant troll looking creatures or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're swinging like basically trees at him. And he just stops it with his axe and yeah. you know, fights back. The, the world was very articulate and uh, very um, f- splayed out, like all the different realms that you visit. They all felt like their own little biome. Um, mm-hmm. And all the enemies seemed very well-crafted and different. And the combat system flowed uh, pretty well because you start off with an axe, you know, um, and you have to upgrade all that stuff for the axe. And then, you know, towards the end of the game, you get your... your God of War blades back. Yeah, your champions. Yeah. So <laughs> nice. um, you you get plenty of weapons, and and then your boy, boy. That's, that's his name, not Atreus. It's Boar. Yeah, that's all he calls him, which is now what I yell at my son. But um, <laughs> <laughs> your uh, your your son, like he has a bow and arrow, and he's got his own upgrades, and that's actually like a really handy companion system. Him shooting stuff and uh, distracting enemies, and yeah, he whatever. follows you around the whole game. So annoying you. <laughs> It starts Sometimes. off kind of annoying, and then, like, it, towards the mid part of the game, it seems like he's actually really helpful. Like, he'll do, like, these kill animations, and he'll jump off your shoulder and just, like, beam people in the head and stuff like that with hmm. his bows and arrows. And In the cutscenes, he's really annoying. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a boy. <laughs> boy. Um, but anyway, the, uh, the, the downside, I think, is that they spent a ton of time on the story and the... the um, the the level design and all that stuff they spent not as much time on the gameplay. Mm. I feel like the gameplay is just a little bit monotonous, like repetitive. Um, There's one way to kill soldiers. Yes, over and over. It's the same kill, <laughs> like assassination animation every time. And by the end of the game, the guy must have killed. He must have stomped on this thing's head, you know, three thousand <laughs> times. And then there's. there's the, the plot is very hindered with like you know uh, enemy occurrences like. They do the typical, you're riding an elevator and it stops 15 times so you can fight waves of enemies kind of stuff. And you're just like, ugh. It'd probably be more fun if you're actually playing it, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I, I get kind of perturbed by, like, those typical video game tropes and stuff. <laughs> so, But anyways, I, I give it an 8 out of 10. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 it, I think that it's a great game. I think they have plenty of uh, potential, especially for the continuance of the story. Um, but they... Uh, they definitely have room for improvement that hopefully they take advantage of for the next game. So there you go. Video games done. TV. Done. TV. So news. Speaking of that corporal guy, mm-hmm. he's not in this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what's his face? Tom Hanks and Spielberg are at it again. Those fellas. HBO series. It's going to, that's uh, in production right now called masters of the air. Hmm which is obviously going to be set during World War II. It's going to be made it's by... the Navy, right? No, it's about the 8th Air Force. Oh, okay. Got Tom right. Hanks is trying to recapture that magic. I mean, it's been it's been a while since the uh, the Pacific, at least. So it's, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing they were getting antsy. It's like, what else can we make a World War II series about? Well, I'm saying Tom Hanks had the uh, the Battleship movie that was on Apple only. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if he actually like had any creative input in that. Well, no, but he was in it. I'm yeah. saying he's. I'm re- sure he had creative input. He's, he's trying to recapture his World War II Saving Private Ryan magic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's an upcoming uh, war drama miniseries based on the actions of the Eighth Air Force during World War II, which are the bomber groups that you know obviously bombed through France into and then eventually into Germany. Shoo! Obviously, they're probably going to film it in England, like they filmed everything. Mm-hmm. That's where Tom's from. Not yeah. from England. Uh, <laughs> as of October 2020, uh, Carrie Fukunaga oh. has been announced to be directing the first three episodes. He's a great uh, upcoming director. He did uh, True Detective. 
Yes. Which season? First. Good. The good one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he did True Detective, huh? He, Which uh, one? He did uh, um, the new James Bond movie, I believe. Yeah. That we'll never see. That we'll never see. <laughs> um, they already started production two months ago, mm-hmm. filming in Oxfordshire, England. Mm. But there's only a couple actors here attached to this. Austin Butler. No idea. Callum Turner. No idea. I'm not savvy on British actors as much. Anthony as well. Boyle. Sounds familiar. Nate Mann. <laughs> that sounds like an alien <laughs> taking a human form. <laughs> My name is Nate Mann. Human. You will call me Mann. Two ends. Yeah, I'm looking at these uh, actors. and They either don't have a picture for them because I don't know who they are. or Actually, I just don't know who any of them are. So, I think this is going to be like, you know, the old Banner Brothers kind of trope so, where they had the, uh, like, British guys playing American soldiers. Probably. So, um, Tom Hanks and Spielberg are just producing. They're not having any directal input. Uh, as far as I can tell. Okay. Yeah, they're executive producers. Which means they're just, they're getting money and they're getting them locations and resources and connections, which is still a good bit, but, you know. Uh, all the story and stuff like that, they still mm-hmm. say, yes, this is how I want the scripts to be. But the Fuganawa, Naga. Fuganaga. Yeah. He's a, should be the final say-so on how the story actually goes. So we'll but, see. Uh, but I'm sure he'll be doing a lot of answering, too. Yeah, I don't think he'd tell Spielberg no. <laughs> he might disagree with him. Yeah. Very politely. Yeah. And not in public. Uh, I, I think it's a good idea. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see it. So. I mean, they haven't really done many, you know, war series stuff about, you know, bomber groups. There's a few. I mean, there's been a couple, of, you know, really good movies about it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, 12 O'Clock High. Yeah. Never heard of it. It's a movie your your dad watched. <laughs> your dad not. would have liked it. Probably not. Your dad probably does like it. Maybe so. What's that James Franco World War One movie? Flyboys. Flyboys. Yeah, yeah. That was not a good movie. No. <laughs> that was not a good movie. So, that'll be coming out eventually. Which hopefully sooner rather than later, because I mean they're filming in England, they're all crazy with their COVID protocols and nonsense. Yeah, we'll see. So on to my review. I watched Shadow and Bone, the TV show. The TV show. It's on Netflix. Apparently, it's the number one series right now, mm-hmm. or most popular at the time, as of the today. Thus, say it's um, Netflix. <laughs> it's based on a uh, trilogy that's written by Lee Bardugo. Oh, yes. The famed novelist. Mm. <laughs> so they uh, this is all filmed in, like, Hungary on location. It looks really good. Um, but the story is about, you know, two orphan kids. They live in an orphanage, best friends, kind of go on their separate ways. They end up in, like, the military, and she's a map maker, and he does something. But in, like, their world, it looks like Tsarist Russia is kind of what it's based on. Okay. So there's east and west, and in the middle is this thing called the fold, which is like this gigantic black cloud of death. <laughs> That's really what it looks like. It's not ominous at all. <laughs> it's incredibly ominous. So, like, you know, obviously they have a hard time getting resources east to west. There's, like, you know, a whole political thing going on now because it's, you know, obviously there's a monarchy. They're on one side. Everybody else is on the other side. And they're like, why are we even listening to them? They, we can't even get over there. <laughs> the hell with them. So... You got that going on, and inside this void thing of darkness and death are these things called Volcra, which are like these giant scale bat dragon monsters. Mm. Very cool looking, mm. very sinister. Animation or you know, uh, special effects, very well done. Really? 
Netflix usually kind of craps the bed when it comes to stuff. Though. I mean, when I watched it, it I was like, I, it looked really good. Yeah. So the quest starts with you know them at the, at the camp. The two orphan kids are older now. They meet again, and he gets picked on this mission to go through it, mm-hmm. which apparently this happens regularly, trying to get to this other side for resources like food and everything. <laughs> And Guess what? nobody's you, made it yet. You drew the lucky straw. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like trying to get a quick walk to the subway in a rough neighborhood. It's just like, how long of a walk is it? He asked the cop. He's like, I don't know. So far, no one's ever got there. <laughs> so they have like these, you know, sand skiff things yeah. with ships, and there's these uh, group of people called Grisha, mm. which like they're kind of like airbenders, okay. like avatars, or whatever. But there's like there's ones that like they could stop your heart. Jeez. There's ones that can like bend fire. Hmm. Um, ones that can do air and then there's like a shadow guy who that apparently the shadow Grisha heretic man from years past is the one who made the fold is what they call it <laughs> and it's all his fault how dare he doing black magic and etc mm. so the guy gets picked the girl's like huh. so she burns some maps assigns herself and the your captain's like, all right, you know, the map maker gets to go. And so do all the other map makers. We're setting them all at the same time. It's like, that's logistically stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so they get on their little boat. They're going along. Mm-hmm. They got the wind lady blowing wind in the sails. They're just going along. And apparently these things will attack light if they see it. So they have blue lanterns that are, like, special because, like, they don't register the light source, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so, of course, the lantern breaks. Mm. And they're like, huh. So nervous soldier lights a normal lantern. And everybody's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, we just talked about this <laughs> two <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> two two of them. And then, of course, he, like, lights, he's holding it up. And then you just see, like, the outline of the thing behind him. And then chaos and pandemonium ensues. He drops the lantern. The boat catches fire. Oh, no. <laughs> so now they're all seeing. Yeah. The big <laughs> dragon thing comes to take her friend. He's flying away with him. He's stabbing it in the foot. She shoots it, lets him go, and then she's like, oh, are you okay? And then it grabs her, and then lo and behold, she's apparently like a super Grisha, <laughs> but like a sun one, which is like unheard of and hasn't happened in like hundreds of years. So it's like pitch black meets Harry Potter. Yeah, so she does like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she does like the spirit bomb, like uh, coming out of her. It's like, bah, and then... Er- you are the chosen one. And then, yeah, pretty much, you are the chosen one. Come on, Ron. Mm-hmm. So they take her to meet the king and like the shadow. Like a way to test them apparently is like they cut your skin with like a little special knife, and if you have the powers, like whatever it is, like comes out of like the wound. Weird. And you think you'd find out that that's you before? Like you fall and scrape your knee and yeah. flames yeah. shoot out. It's like, huh? <laughs> I mean, did, did, did the giant fireball not give them a clue that? Oh yeah, she is special. No, no, that was the clue. Because <laughs> oh, okay. like they come back and like because a dude like he made it, he runs out. But while all this is happening, there's like a subplot. That's also incredibly entertaining Yeah, about this, like, group of criminals and, like, their nonsense and trying to go through. And there's, like, these special people and, like, you know, they have some dude that built a train that runs through it. Mm-hmm. And okay. they're, they're going through it and, like, they're, like, they didn't have enough coal. So they're kind of, like, you know, going off the guy's calculations. Like, all right, nobody shift your weight based on how we're all sitting, like, you know, the whole thing. And then they start getting attacked by the dragon demons. Okay, you but let's throw a lot of random facts out there. But what's but, funny is like the thing like rips open like the roof of their like super train, uh-huh. and everybody like it cuts to each one of them and the, the, like screaming like right. ah 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 like customer like ah you know screaming it. Then it cuts to the uh, one guy and he's screaming, but he's holding a baby goat, and the baby goat's looking up going bah! <laughs> <laughs> 
it intentionally funny? Yes. It, oh, okay. I don't know. If, I don't know if they meant it to be funny, but like they did a cut to the goat <laughs> as it was going. Bah. Everybody knows it's the universal, universal language. I'm gonna die. But uh, I watched four episodes, and it's really entertaining. I think it's only eight episodes for or six for this first season. Yeah, and I've heard good things about it. I just. Like, I, I used to watch everything that Netflix would put out the day that it would come out. And then, you know, uh, I don't trust nothing no, no more. Yeah. You know, cyberpunk ruined me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't trust nobody. I, it's a really uh, seen some things. It's a really interesting show. They do a lot of quick world building, but it's not overwhelming. Yeah, after, like, uh, after The Witcher came out, the way that they uh, kind of took the short train on uh, world building for that bothered me especially after i mm -hmm. really enjoyed the book so much um and i could kind of see why they're doing it to uh to just like get the information out there as fast as possible mm -hmm. and then let the audience be captivated by the time a story's good mm -hmm. you know they can do their own research to find out how the world is built mm -hmm. it's just not that like like you look at lord of the rings for instance they take their time in explaining as much as possible how mm -hmm. things go you know and all the little nuance that people want to find out that you know, mm -hmm. make plot point A to plot point B, you know, all the little steps they can, they can research on their own stuff like that. Instead of Netflix is just like, whatever, cra crazy, mysterious, spooky world, just go with it. All right. It's because I just They're, throw money to, to projects yeah. until something sticks. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if I'd read the books and then watched the show, I'd be like, this is outrageous. But I mean, they do like a lot of quick world building, but at, they take a good approach at explaining stuff yeah. when it has to be explained. It's like, you know, a lot of stuff will get thrown at you and you're like, oh man. And then as you keep watching like the episode or the episode after, it's like they, you know, this is because of this. And you're like, oh. We got to move on. We're running out of time. So it's a really good show. Eight out of 10. Sweet. I got movies. Let's hear it. Has anyone ever heard of Unhinged <laughs> with Russell Crowe? Fighting around the world. I haven't until I watched it with you. Let, let's explain this plot. Guy gets cut off in traffic. Uh -huh. Guy yells at woman. Woman yells at guy. Guy attempts to murder her and her whole family and everyone she knows. I thought this was just a documentary in downtown Atlanta. I, I was like, <laughs> what? This is on the news every other day. What's going on? It was. It, it's very simple and very dumb and very convenient. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, Russell Crowe's chasing down this woman, trying to murder her because she wouldn't apologize to him for cutting him off. Or no, no, beeping his horn. Mm -hmm. beeping her, he be or She beeped the horn at him because he sat there during a green light and didn't go through it. Yada, yada, yada. All right, New York, died. that's like a... That's, <laughs> in New York, you get shot for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to spoil this movie. <laughs> they, uh, he kills the lady's like uh, best friend. Uh -huh. He kill, or he attempts to kill her, her brother. He kills her... Uh, Future sister-in-law, and he threatened. He tries to kill her kid. It's just the police. So the what, police have no interest in helping. <laughs> of course not. It'd be great. Like at the end of the movie, she just goes, "I'm sorry." And he goes, "Thank you," well, and then just leaves. <laughs> so Russell, I mean, that, that's essentially what she tried to do, but it was too late at that point. The, the damage was done. Russell Crowe plays this like typical, you know, blue collar. I'm tired of life and people screwing me. You know, white American guy whose yeah. wife literally screws somebody else and so he just becomes unhinged. Yeah. And then murders. He said the name of the movie. Yeah. So it was goofy. They didn't even bother to call the police until like two or three people had died. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and when they called the police, the police said they didn't have time to help them. <laughs> they yeah. were too busy with a traffic accident <laughs> yeah. that this guy caused. She's like, the murderous rampage psycho has been is chasing me. The guy that's been doing all the murders and 
the guy's like, sorry, we can't help you. We have an accident. You're on your own. Where was this town? Kirkland? <laughs> 911, what do you want? <laughs> it was terrible. This was the first like major movie released during COVID. Because it was it released last March or April. Yeah. Like right after everything was like, you know, quote unquote shut down. Mm. But uh it, they had their, their message was they wanted to show the, the lack of empathy and rage of Western society. And the reason Russell Crowe gained all the weight. Was because he wanted to show he wanted to show the the role of the angry white alpha male in this Western, which society. is apparently like this dip spitting giant fat guy. John Deere <laughs> riding super tight slob. jeans. It would be like he would like run into a building to beat the crap out of somebody, but he'd be like pulling his pants up for three fourths of the time he was doing it because his little tiny skinny jeans kept sliding down. You could tell like his girth was just not handling his clothes. <laughs> girth. <laughs> Such a funny word. <laughs> like the movie was dumb. It, it, I would not recommend watching it because it, it's pointless. Was it free? On... Yeah, yeah, it's free on Amazon. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if if you have nothing else to do, <laughs> it's funny. Like like HBO free movies are like hit and miss. Amazon free movies, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen a decent one on Amazon. Well, we did see the seventy five hundred one with a uh, Joseph. Joseph Gordon, Gordon Levitz. Oh, that yeah. one wasn't bad. Yeah, it was good for like a one location kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, it, IMDb gives it a six out of ten. I gave it a three out of ten. Yeah, it uh, it cost thirty three million to make. It made forty three million. Wow! It cost thirty three million dollars for him to drive around to and make yell a road rage movie. Yeah. yeah, all they did was just give it Russell Crowe a camera crew and follow him around. <laughs> I swear, he just went around and just started beating the crap out of people. Fighting around the world. It's like they took him to one side of the city. He gets there. He's like, hey, I'm Russell Crowe. Yeah, I'm excited to be on the project. The director's like, all right, cool. Swats his Starbucks cup out of his hand. He's like, get him in the car. Drive to the other side of the city. Follow him. We'll see what happens. All right. But anyways, I'll move on to my news. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Power of grace. They're, they're, they're making a live action of that. They already did. It's Dolph Lundgren. Well, they're making a new live action. New one. Oh, no. Only problem is. Starring Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> no, it, it, it was going to star star Noah Centineo. Who's that? Uh, he's been on some of the, like the uh, Netflix movies. He's been in like the Thirteen Reasons Why. <laughs> it's your um, anchor, just thinking it. He's gonna he was gonna star, but uh, he backed out because he didn't want to do it anymore. So uh, he was gonna be He Man. I saw his costume. He's like, <laughs> probably I'm not wearing that. <laughs> gonna paint that on me? <laughs> probably. So yeah, you have that movie that's not probably gonna be good. Mm-hmm. That's going to be coming out. The other one you have is The Conjuring 3. Yeah. Which comes out actually in June 4th. I thought it was going to be later this year. But it, it's going to be based on the Amityville Horror and the uh, the first case in the U.S. that demons were b- blamed on a murder. Yeah. And they actually, you know, were in court defending it and stuff. So hmm. it's interesting. It, the it, devil it, made me do it. It'll be a little different as opposed to some of the other ones because it'll be more of a courtroom kind of drama mixed in with their typical like haunted house kind of stuff. I bet you it was about really the typical Western American guy who's just coping with the aggressive society in the Russell Crowe. Western civilization. Yeah, no. Well, like, I, was, I mean, if you know anything about jeans. the Amityville Horror, mm. you, you know that even if you don't they believe in ghosts and all that stuff, it's... You know, it kind of a strange occurrences that went on. Yeah. Even the people that don't believe in ghosts know that something something strange happened. Yeah, anything involving the 
the Wonder Twins. What are those people that the, Ed Lorraine Warren? Yeah, those guys. Yeah. They, uh, I mean, I, obviously a lot of like their their full time job is to do paranormal investigation. So they they're milking money out of it, well, you yeah. know. But there, there's some there's some spooky things. I'll give you that. Well, like well, like just a little premise behind the Amityville. Supposedly, this guy's like uh, he murdered his entire family. Yep. By shooting them while they slept, and none of them ever woke up, and none of them had any drugs in their system, but he shot each one in the head, and nobody ever moved from their beds the entire time. He shot them one at a time <laughs> in different rooms of the house. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like he just did it quickly. He just coughed every time he shot somebody. So joke about that. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> That's my news. Um, you know, I'm interested to see that. I've liked the other yeah. movies, so mm-hmm. we'll see. The house is creepy. Yeah, I have seen it. But they, they, um, the Amityville Horror House, they changed the um those crescent moon, or those quarter moon windows because mm-hmm. people would just drive by and just sit there in like the street, just look out at the house and take pictures. Yeah, but people have still been living there. Somebody lives there now. Yeah, I mean they they do like their exorcism night stuff and see how that works. But anyways, we'll move on to our meat and potatoes or our. You know, bangers and mash or whatever you want to call Potatoes. it. Potatoes. Whatever it is the people of the Shire and Chips. Eat. What's chips, presses? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> we, we focused on the fellowship. We focused on the two towers. Now it's Return of the King. Yeah. So, Tom, what, what has happened up to this point in a, in a brief synopsis from... It's not brief. You're going to make it brief from the fellowship... To the beginning of Return of the King. I think it's safe to say we're going to go over an hour. Yeah. Go ahead. It might be easy. So from Fellowship to the Return of the King. All right. Rohan has been saved for the time being. Frodo and Sam and Gollum are on their merry adventure and getting closer to Mordor. At, at this point, they are pretty much at the mountains of that outlaw Mordor. Uh, Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli are hanging out in Rohan, and here we are. And here we are. It's not looking good. Okay. It's looking a little better, but it's not looking great either. I got a couple of questions for you about the return of the king. Okay. What made Sam and Frodo less corruptible like compared to the rest of them when it comes to the ring? They don't know. They don't, they don't know. It's just I yeah. I I, it's, I mean they talk about it in the books like they Gandalf is like I don't get like, you know, why the, hobbits are seems seem so more predisposed to resisting the corrupting power of the ring. I think it's like the idea of, cause Tolkien did a lot of, um, you know, ingesting his real life into the books, but did it in a very subtle nuance. So yeah. I think it's more like the hobbit are simple folk that are, you know, overlooked and underestimated kind of thing. Like the mm-hmm. small town of, so and so that it ended up yeah. okay. recruiting these soldiers that went and fought Nazi Germany and you know saved England blah 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 that's that's Tolkien's life is, okay. you know so he did he, he injected a lot of that into those characters. Well, Tolkien fought in World War One. Yeah, but there's no Nazis. Yeah, okay. Moving on, Germans. <laughs> His son fought in World War Two and he was well observant of that as well. But uh, Saruman has this bowling ball looking thing. What is that? The Palantir. <laughs> yeah, what, what is that? They're this. Uh, I mean, I seeing know, stones. I know Sauron that like were made by it, um, Fenor. Well, I mean, what did Sauron just sees through it or what? No, the Palantir are pretty much how people communicate. They were brought from the fall of Numenor to uh, Middle Earth. Oh, so it's a, a, a very inconvenient cell phone. It's a very it's a, it's a sort of kind of cell phone. <laughs> okay, but the thing the Palantir can only show true things. Like you can't fool it. 
Okay. But Sauron had had it so long, he's kind of corrupted it and in his own way, but shows what could be what more or less what's going on and how awesome his army is and how great everything is. And, you know, slowly turning people insane okay. and luring those to his cause like Saruman. But okay. I think there's only three known stones or four. Mm. What's, what's the name of the last uh, kingdom that they go to where they're, they're defending Gondor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That place. What, For what, 500 Alex. <laughs> what's uh what's with the white tree? Like what's the significance behind it? The white trees came from Valinor, which okay. when Numenor was erected, they had them on the island. You know, they had the saplings, whatever. And in the fall of Numenor, prior to Elendil leaving with the Sealdor and his other sons, he stole one of the fruits from the tree. So they had the seedlings, and there were originally two trees. One was at Minas Tirith, one was at Minas Ithil. Well, they talked about, like, it wouldn't bloom unless there was hope or something like that. Something about the king. Yeah, the, the decline of Gondor, the tree stopped flowering. Okay. That's why it's kind of symbolic when Aragorn is coronated as king. You know, it's all the it yeah, blossoms. All the petals, and, yeah. I was just wondering because, like, they keep featuring it. And I was like, what's the significance behind this? But, okay. It's basically a tree from heaven. Yeah. <clears throat> it's the white tree of Gondor. I know he's, like, the leader of the Nazgul, but what makes the Witch King so much more special than the rest of them? Like, why is he in charge? Yeah. Well, he's a king. But, I mean, like, what? why is he so much more powerful than the rest? Uh, well, the Nine Rings, obviously given the kings, great warriors, sorcerers, whatever, at the time of the Second Age, mm-hmm. and the ring enhances that person's personal attributes and strengths. Okay. So, the Witch King of Angmar, obviously, became pretty much Sauron's number one guy and in charge of the Nazgul because he was the strongest of those men. Okay. And had ruled his own kingdom and gotten into a lot of shenanigans in the north. When Sauron, uh, when the ring gets destroyed and Mount Doom explodes, all you see is like the volcano erupting and then magma coming at the Nazgul. Yeah. But you never see him die. I thought he gets like sucked into himself. Or no, the Witch King does. Oh, the Witch King does. Yeah, sorry. The other Nazgul. Um, well, with the ring being destroyed, they're free because they're, they're alive, but they're not dead. Okay. So did they just they're kind of they're in the wraith world. So Sauron dying releases them from it. Okay. And they can finally die officially. That's another thing I was gonna ask. Why, if the ring was destroyed, why did that destroy all of? Because Sauron was all, all, existed before the ring. So why did the ring? Well, de- Sauron isn't dead. But yeah, but why did it, like destroy his whole kingdom? Like it just collapsed. Everything. Well, like. Barad-dûr was so um, you know massive that the ring was used to build the foundations. Even when Sauron had the ring cut from his finger mm-hmm. and they cast down parts of Barad-dûr, they couldn't totally destroy it. The foundations were too strong and it was held together by Sauron's will. Okay. So Sauron not being officially dead-ish still kept it intact. But once the ring was destroyed because he put most of his life force into the ring to enhance his own power... Once that was gone, he it was he didn't it didn't have the strength left to support it. Okay, the the steward of Gondor, like why Denethor? Yeah, what what? Well, how come he gets to be in power? Like, what what was his significance? Well, okay, so you have to explain why the world of men is splintered and what it means that there's these now different cities of men. Like Gondor itself was its own city, whereas Rohan and stuff no, like Gondor that. is the yeah. realm. Okay, Minas Tirith is the capital. So, so Gondor was split up into multiple little cities, right? 
No, it's still the realm of Gondor. Gondor, Osgiliath. But Rohan's not a part of Gondor. No, it's a separate So group. They like, weren't part of Gondor to begin with. The, so Minas Tirith, right? Yeah. Uh, was ran by the steward. Was ran by the kings of Gondor and until, Arnor. Yeah, but why was the steward in charge? The witch king challenged the king of Gondor to combat and was like they taught them out of it. And then one day, like, you know, he summoned the, the challenge again. And the king of Gondor went. He left the crown, you know, in the tombs or whatever on his dad's, you know, tomb. And he went to Minas Morgul, never to be seen from again. So the stewards of Gondor who were, you know, ran the place when he wasn't there, mm -hmm. just they pretty much became the de facto leaders of okay. Gondor. And, through, through, you know, it's a it's passed through, you know, the air. But a lot of other, like, cities and, you know. Well, that more or less happens in Arnor, which is in the north. They don't recognize the steward as their leader. Okay. Like well, that. the kingdom of Arnor was destroyed by the Witch King of Angmar. It's through, you know, subtle political stuff, and it's fractured into three separate kingdoms, and right. then one at a time he right. took them down. Okay, yeah, I was just wondering why, like, why, how come he got to be in power all of a sudden? But, okay. <laughs> it wasn't all of a sudden. I mean, the stewards have been in charge of yeah. Gondor for thousands of years. Why? I mean, I guess, you know, he, he was trusting, but why would Frodo... Believe and trust Gollum over Sam, because like he he basically told Sam get out of here. I'm following this guy at one point. <laughs> Pretty much, Frodo's an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> that also doesn't I don't think happen in the books. Well, I, I think that Frodo became so corrupted by the Ring towards the end of the story because the closer he, the Ring got to Mordor, the more powerful its influence on him was. He sympathized a lot with Gollum as as well too because okay. he saw what he the could ring end can, up being. Yeah. yeah, so okay. And then Gollum's lying in half truths and yeah. about Sam, and then Frodo seeing it and the corruption of the ring made him tell Sam to get out of here. And I'd kind of asked Hayden this, but for Gandalf to be so powerful, he at least in the movies he doesn't really do a lot. Like why why doesn't he help? more like with his power like other than, he like leads the men and like you know tells mm -hmm. them go there do this but mm -hmm. he doesn't do much like, like magic or yeah like, like fighting he, yeah like well both like he could he could fight the balrog but then like he just watches all these men die from from the other soldiers you know from the goblins and orcs and all that well the whole thing with the wizards like they weren't allowed to you know challenge power with their own power they couldn't really just unleash it on everybody that's not why they were there it was a big deal when he fought the Balrog because the Balrog comes from the same place that Gandalf comes from. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's they're both Maiar spirits. That's something that he could so Sauron. attack with okay. unhinged. Okay, yeah, I, I was just wondering, like, <laughs> wondering why he wouldn't, you know, <laughs> do the thing. But all right, and then a uh, Dim Holt. Like, what? Why was what, that Holt Road? Yeah, why was that like a specific place that all these? What, Spirits the Paths of the Dead? Yeah, like, why Why did they just all congregate there? I mean, I understand. So they used to live there. They used to be, like, their little subterranean palace. Okay. And well, they had sworn fealty to Sealdor. Yeah, I know they, they betrayed him and, like, didn't come to his aid. And they asked. cursed him. And I, just, I, I didn't know that was, like, their home before that. I just yeah. was wondering why they were all there. Because <laughs> they show the bit in the movie, too, where um, they come out, like, you know, they start appearing, but you start to see, like, the cityscapes mm -hmm. that used to be there. No. It's because okay. they stole cult, uh, some gold from a treasure chest that was cursed. <laughs> and now they have to And then uh, why uh, why did it hurt Mary? Like he stabbed the witch king and it hurt him. Why, why did that happen? 
Like he stabs him with a sword, like the sword disappears and it hurt him. It's because every sword or blade, normally that it touches his skin, melts or just destroys it, and it'll kill the user. Because I, mean, I know, like you know, supposedly men can't kill him, but I didn't realize it would hurt the other guy if he stabbed mm. him. So, well, Mary is technically a guy. Well, I know. I'm just saying. I didn't. But the reason he does damage is because that's one of the Barrow Blades from the Fellowship of the Ring, from the Barrow Downs, made by the men of Westerness. Okay. I just wonder why why it hurt him to stab the other guy. But hey, Mitch is just like he said words, <laughs> not up <laughs> yeah, and down. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, they go to Mordor to like do a diversion. Mm-hmm. Who's this gatekeeper guy? He the seems mouth like of Sauron. Yeah, he seems like he's important, and then he is. He's not. <laughs> he's actually a black Numenorian. What is that? They're men of Numenor, corrupted by Sauron. Yeah, because he didn't look human. <laughs> well, he is. He's like the same race of Ar- as Aragorn. Oh. Okay. Wait, so he's uh he's got a prolonged life and all that stuff. Yeah. Wow. His description in the book, you know, is pretty much how he looks, you know, lofty helm, black robes, giant his, mouth. Like, yeah. Yeah. Big G- mouth. Giant family. Like, they did a I like the detail, like when he's talking, like you see like his mouth start to bleed. Yeah. And actually if you li- watch the movie on pretty good volume, uh you can hear Sauron's voice saying the words too. Oh, really? Oh, that's cool. Oh. It's a nice little detail. Aragorn wasn't having it though. No. Yeah. I mean, in the in the book, he doesn't just lob the dude's head off, mm. but they don't. Ever, the mouth of Sauron makes the appearance, does the whole parlay thing, and then just this, this, that's it, disappears. You're never talking about it again. But he was going to become in charge of Orthanc if Sauron won. Oh, okay. All right, and then you know, spoiler alert: Frodo throws the ring in the fire. Well, Gollum falls in the ring with in the well, fire yeah. with it. Yeah, he falls in it. <laughs> gloating. The, the the ring gets blown up or you know destroyed, whatever. Mm-hmm. The whole kingdom collapses. Then, then it goes to, like, Frodo back in the Shire and stuff, and, like, he's talking about how his wound never heals. Why would his wound never heal? Like, I just don't understand. Because of how evil the wounds were. But, and, I mean, like, the dark magic behind him. I mean, I he got stabbed by a spider. Like, that's, like, well, the no, spawn of, like, a the, primordial uh, being. Yeah, he's talking about the Witch King's Yeah, the, yeah. Like, well, the Witch King, when he stabbed him, part of the uh, blade breaks off in Frodo. Oh, okay. And it's designed to go towards your heart and uh, continuously try to go. Because it's such a horrible, like, you know, magic-induced wound. Like, Elrond manages to heal it and get the shard out, but the wound will never fully heal. Well, that makes Every more, year on the anniversary of it, Frodo gets ill. Well, that makes more sense on why he kept collapsing every t- every few feet when he's... Yeah, and the closer he, he got to it, like, yeah. you know, the wound started to hurt again. Okay. And then I had two more questions. What was the time span between the Fellowship and Return of the King? Like, how many years was in between that? 13 months. 13 months? Yeah. That's a lot happening that quick. Like whole I armies mean, mobilizing and defeating. and Yeah. They shot three movies in 13 months. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. For well, how much was it? Uh, $281 million. For all three movies. That's insane. For 17 Oscars. That's just so insane. Wow. I just like, you, you look at movies today, like these MCU movies, and they spend more than that for one movie. Yeah. And you're just like. Golly, they're in production for like two and a half months. And I know Frodo didn't really have a whole lot going for him back at the Shire other than just you know his friends. But, I mean, why why did he leave and go to that place? To actually be to Valinor? <laughs> yeah, that place. <laughs> because all the ring bearers were granted passage, including Sam, which he goes later. But the ultimate thing for Frodo going was to actually heal the wounds that he had sustained. Okay. Because they, could, they couldn't be healed by the elves any better in Middle-earth, and it was never going to get better on its own. So, Okay. Just wondering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I'll say, I, I got a thing. So, like, when I read the books and watched the movies, when I was younger, it really bothered me that Frodo or Sam or somebody never willingly threw the ring into the mountain. It was always like, you know, they, they fought and then accidents occurred and happenstance it falls into the mountain. Mm-hmm. And that's what ends up killing it. And I, I was like, no, good never really conquered evil. It just so-and-so happens and, and, and this is the end. And then, like, as I get older, I kind of realized that Tolkien was more or less writing a story about how the fallacy of evil corrupts itself to the point where it's self-destructive, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm getting, like, really deep into heady, you know, uh, philosophical, theological stuff. But, you know, it, I think it's cool that the, the Lord of the Rings has a story that, like, kind of matures with you mm-hmm. over, the, over the past couple decades and stuff like that that have been, uh, you know kind of revisiting the story and you know it's just it's a it's a pretty cool concept that you don't see very often that not only does good conquer evil but evil conquers itself because of the fallacy of itself mm-hmm. and to have that sort of self um self uh you know i wouldn't say sacrifice but destruction that uh that it, that is portrayed to the point where sauron even in his own engineering of himself has issues, you know. Yeah. Um, is in the books he, the idea that they would destroy the ring is like he that doesn't even occur to him. Mm-hmm. He's like they would not. He's like I wouldn't do that. <laughs> right. He's like if I was them, he's like I would totally do this. And that's like he planned everything as if it was him he was going up against, and you know the secrecy and like the fact that they were just going to destroy. That's like when Frodo puts the ring on, right. and like Sauron's like it's like in the books, it's like you know suddenly realizing his blunder, like all the armies going total disarray because right. they're all under his willpower. These two little you know midgets just sneak their way up into a mountain, <laughs> and then it, I love the part where like uh, like the, he tr- puts the ring on, and then you see the eye of Sauron like huh. Like, oh, crap. crap. He's over there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, you know. Guys, get him. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, when you talk about, like, the ring corrupting everybody it takes mm-hmm. or who possesses it, there's only one person in the books that did not corrupt. Tom who possessed Well, now two. Okay. Because <laughs> Tom Bobadil takes it, he puts it on, doesn't turn invisible, makes it disappear, pulls it out of photos. Or is he? No. This is his own thing. He was there before, like, Arda was made or, like, he... Like he talks about, he was there before, like the first raindrops, the first, you know, yeah. tr- acorns, everything. I think it's like a Tolkien's personification of himself into the book in some capacity, like, sort of. Yeah. So, but uh, Sam was the only one, like in the movies and like or in the books, who gives the ring willingly mm-hmm. to yeah. Frodo. Well, because I know, like in the movie, there's one point where he's holding it as he's giving it back to Frodo. That he, <laughs> like, you hear the yeah. voices, but then he still gives it over to him. Yeah. So. We gotta wrap this up. Uh, go ahead, Mitch. All right, well, that, that's the end of uh, Return of the King, and uh, I've kind of plotted against Tom here a little bit. <laughs> Tom, we're not going to spin the wheel today. What do you mean we're not going to spin the wheel? We're today? not going to spin the wheel of punishment. What is this? <laughs> we're going to have a little, little test. If you get a, a passing grade, so you got to get a 70% or better. If you, get, if you get enough right, I get punished. If you don't get these right, you get punished. It's Lord of the Rings trivia, Tom. You can't oh, say God. no. You can't say no. <laughs> so, we will start with question number one. And some of these might be harder. Some of them might be easier. But it, it's just stuff I looked up to figure out. 
So they might all be easy to you. I don't know. You can't say no time. This is going to be like minutia. <laughs> yeah, because I looked up stuff, and then I found stuff in that, and then I looked up stuff from that. So I hit him with the first question. Go for it. Where does the fellowship officially break up? Like what city or? The Grey Havens. Well. What was the name of this? Where does Boromir die? Let's yeah, do that. Yeah. All right. Amen, hen. Okay. Anyways, one down. Question one. Let's see. Let me let me mark something. <laughs> you you got to get fourteen out of twenty right. So. Oh my! What? Jesus! <laughs> I know I had to get ready for trivia. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah, we figured if we told you, you would figure out all these answers ahead of time somehow. <laughs> Who was Eleanor Gardner the Fair? Sam's the oldest daughter. Dang! <laughs> I thought you'd never get that one. <laughs> What Sindarian word was Aragorn called as a child? Still. Dad, come it! I told you he would know these. <laughs> hey, I only got three. There's still like, what, 17 left? How many times does Frodo put on the ring? Is this according to the movies or the books? Yeah, we're going to accord to the movies, I guess. Uh, oh. It's three. Four. Oh. Uh-oh. So, let's uh, see. Yeah. That was the fourth one. Sauron's original name, Marion, I think that's how you pronounce it, M-A-I-R-O-N, meant what? What was the original meaning of his name? I know this one. You want to phone a friend? No. Okay. But it's almost like Lucifer-ish. It's like Bright Star or something, or Bright One. Ooh, close. Is that your final answer? Sort of. It means the admirable. The ad, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why Sora means abhorred. <laughs> was that a question? Let <laughs> me <laughs> just go, damn. <laughs> what was Frodo's father called? Drogo. Ted coming. <laughs> I, figured that, I figured that's like obscure enough. What was Gandalf known to as the L? By the, or sorry, what was Gandalf known as to the dwarves, like his name? Tharkoon. Ted coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> what was Saruman's Quinya name? Kurunir. Get done. <laughs> <laughs> Who was Gandalf's sword originally forged for? The High King of Gondolin. What was his name, though? Ooh. Uh, this is a double part question? <laughs> no, no. I just didn't want to know the person's name. Oh, I used to know this. It's not Thingol. Uh, it starts with an O, doesn't it? Does it? Not or I don't remember. Turgon. Oh, it was Turgon. Damn it. <laughs> was that a question though? Yes, it was. You just said it wasn't. You just said what? you wanted to know. No, no, no. I wanted to know who the who the, what his name was. Oh, really? Yeah, that was the, that was the question. Like who who was it made for? All right, okay. you're doing good though. You're doing good. <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot more than I thought. <laughs> what were the three trolls' names in the Hobbit? Bert, Tom. Uh oh. And Bill. Yeah, uh, Bill William. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, dead coming. <laughs> Shelob was the last child of who? Ungolian. Crap. <laughs> I thought that would have got. <laughs> Let me go ahead and mark these so I don't forget. Sorry, two more. Let's see. What was the name of the Balrog that overcame Fainor to control light, control the light of two trees? Gothmog. Crap! <laughs> 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 this is, is not only, looking good is for he me. He only named Balrog. 
You only need five more. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, we, we didn't know if you'd figure that out, but what was the name of the peak of Durin's, or what was the name of the peak Durin's Bane was slain on? What, Durin's Tower? No. It's a peak. I'll, I'll give you another, another chance. What, in the Misty Mountains? No. The, the one where Gandalf killed the Balrog. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, give you ten more seconds. All right, All right I'll pass on this one. Zirik Ziggle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I probably knew that at some point. Or I probably read it. I, I think these might be a little harder. How many generations from Isildur to Aragorn the second? How many generations are in between them? Ooh, that is a good one. That's a tough one. Sixteen? Thirty-four. He's the 35th king of Gondor, but he's the 16th king of Arnor, right? I don't know. <laughs> I just know there was, thir- from the genealogy, from Isildur, there was 34 Five. generations. Well, he's the 35th, yeah. <laughs> I actually did know that. So, <laughs> what are the names of the two blue wizards? Palando and... Ah, oh, I know this one. I'll, Al- go t- I'll go ahead and tell you. you got Alatar? One. Yeah. <laughs> I all can't right. believe you know all this stuff. Why was the black speech invented? In mockery of Elvish. So Sauron's army could communicate together. Because they were all different, you know, whatever you call them, species or whatever. That way they could all communicate as one. It was a unified language. What is the biggest... Town center in the Shire. What Hobbiton? Nope. Mike My, Michael Delving or Michael Delving? It's the cap. That's a person. No, it's it's <laughs> it's the the biggest. It's town. not Hobbiton or Bywater. It's Michael Delving. Yeah, <laughs> it's the the capital. I helped him make this list. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so much is coming to fruition because <laughs> Mitch's question would have been like. Name one of the nine of the fellowship. Well, yeah, originally my, one of mine was like, what was Hobbits uh, obsessed with when it comes to food? That was, that was, this is, that's not a question, but that was one that I'd come up with. It was, it was mushrooms. mushrooms. Yeah. I know that. All right, here we go. What is Gandalf's original name? Aloran. Crap. <laughs> How many, well, you already, you already know this one. How many Academy Awards did the trilogy win? 17. That's a trick question. I thought you said 11 for me. Return of the no. And what country was Tolkien born in? England. South Africa. Ooh, oh, really? Got yeah. him. So you were two away. <laughs> but I will give you an all or nothing question. Oh, shit. <laughs> what is the int? Now, you got to say it exactly how it's supposed to be pronounced. What is the int word for hill? For hill? For hill. Because I know Ent. <laughs> I swear, is it Warum? Is it W-A-R-U-M? No. <laughs> it's the word for hill in Entish. It's Alalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalal
All right, we got to wrap it up. Let me give you an all or nothing, Mitch. Without using any technology, what's my blood Don't pressure worry. right now? We'll do DC. And you can you can get your chance to get. How it many back. did I get right? You got. Uh, let's see. A surprising amounts. Yeah. You got. If this was law enforcement standards, you'd, you'd pass the corporal's test. You got twelve out of twenty. You were two away. I got twelve out of twenty. Yeah. I got the majority of them right. How come I'm getting punished? I got over you, half. You had to get a passing score, which Seven. is seventy. This is high school. <laughs> so you, need, you needed two more. Wow. You but did good, though. You I, did better than I thought I, you I'm going to be honest. Yeah, you knew stuff that I would have never guessed to even ask. <laughs> right. It also doesn't help that Hayden did this. <laughs> I threw well, a bone here. There. We were listening to YouTube videos on questions we could ask. <laughs> it's like, let's just randomly quiz them. That's okay. We'll do the DC Universe sometime. And you can I, I guarantee you knew more answers than most of our listeners. Yeah. Probably mm-hmm. all of our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> You definitely know more Tolkien trivia than anybody I know. So, so, do we, I'll let you pick movies, TV, or game. Ooh, I will do game. All right, you get to play Fifty Cent Bulletproof. I've played that game. Oh, my, <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? Okay. Well, then <laughs> you can play. Bad street brawler. All right, pull up a trailer real quick. <laughs> pull up a trailer. <laughs> pull it up. I think it was on PC. I don't even know if it has a trailer. <laughs> Let's see. I will watch a man play it. <laughs> <laughs> For at least a feature length amount of time. Let's see. I like how our rules on punishments are getting laxer and laxer as the <laughs> as the podcast goes on. That was fun, though. I like this. Impromptu forced hostile trivia. With disc with Kirkland Duke Nukem. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you punch. Uh, That's how you sweep kick. I guess. Ear twist. (laughs) Yeah, I got you. That's a command for a super. You're going to the principal's (laughs) office, you whippersnap. He just kicked a dog. That's what the. (laughs) He's beating up an old man. This is just a man walking through a park fighting bald midgets. (laughs) This is Russell Crowe's unhinged the video game. (laughs) Get out of here, baby. Yeah, it's Bad Street Brawler. I don't even know what platform this would be. Maybe Nintendo? Oh, this guy's throwing pacifiers at him. (laughs) All right, I think we get the the gist of it. looks. Less sufferable than other things. I'm sure you could probably find a, a thing online somewhere to play that. Yeah. Let's get. I was waiting for you like Gandalf sword. It was. I was be like, oh, it's called glam drink. <laughs> that was yeah. one of the questions. I was like, no, he would know that, but I don't know if you'd know who made the sword. And then we found out who made the sword for who originally. It was made yeah. by the Noldor. <laughs> <laughs> so you were like, we're gonna go three steps deep into that trivia question. <laughs> it's like he'd know this. He probably would know this. We can we can probably assume we'd know that, but not this. <laughs> like Damn Mitch, Mitch is like he's, he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Tom might know that. <laughs> I wish I was awake for this. Like I, I I was running on more than three hours of sleep. Well, that's why, that's why we said we couldn't tell you ahead of time, or you would figure out all these. Yeah, I study. Yeah, to crash course. It's like name the two blue wizards. Oh, it's this or this. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I mean you got all that. So, all right, we gotta wrap this up. So, thank you. And my nipples went to France. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for uh, joining us. We uh, we hope to uh, do more stuff along the lines of the deep dive kind of like trilogies Mm -hmm. uh, we did for the last podcast. If you enjoyed it, let us know on our website. Um, 
I mean, if you, there's other things you would like to hear more about, let us know. And uh, that's that's good. Your questions for, me. for your hate quiz are going to be so hard. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get none of them. I, right. I told Hayden, hate like, quiz. you got to focus it though. So, anyways, that'll be us for today. Bye. Well, goodbye from Hayden. Goodbye, Hayden. Bye. Bye, Mitch. Bye, Bye Tom. <laughs> okay, goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>